the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome to this week's 442 Insider podcast. I'm publisher Andy Jackson and joining me is new dad, editor... <laughs> Trevor Trahan, before Thank it wasn't going to happen, but no, it did. it did. It wasn't a myth, it I would say happened. talk us through it, but we've only got an hour, so... Um, yeah, not all 24 hours of it. Everything all right? <laughs> Everything's going very well, yeah. Birth's good, mum's well, daughter's well, Fantastic. Polly, so yeah, it's all West good. Ham club shop, been busy, Till's been ticking over. She, she's pretty much got one of every item from it, and different age, she's got the naught to three months and then the three oh, to girls. six. Has anyone got the number for Doc? <laughs> anyone got a number? She's loving anyway, it. Anyway, let's get on with the football. And what a couple of mornings it's been. Mm. Uh, UEFA Champions League, semi-final first leg. Let's talk about Schalke versus Man United first. Uh, yesterday's game, uh, a 2-0 win. Goals from Giggs and Rooney, two and two minutes for Man United, really sealed it. Didn't really tre- tell the story of their dominance. Nah, I mean, particularly first half, how it's still, you know, nil-nil was a real surprise. And you felt like it might end up being one of those games where, you know, they didn't push their dominance through and the still going to be live in the second leg. Fergie's comments are interesting after he was describing it as one of their best ever Euro performances. Compared it with the um, Juventus away game, 99, um, which was a, a pretty incredible, it was a 3-2 win, wasn't it? Um, and that was up there with them. So, yeah, Man U, it has to be said, uh, all but there, all but at Wembley. Well, I mean, yeah, what was interesting was that, you know, the, the, the press reacts to this after Schalke had been talked up by a fair few in the press as you know, oh, yeah. would really... Give Man United trouble. Is it is it the easy route what we've just taken to say that well, Schalke are rubbish, or, or or is Ferguson right? Was it that good a performance by Man United? I I think it was that good a performance by Man United. Just looking at their standard of passing and play and the way they knocked it round and the confidence that they had, you know, it's difficult to take that much. Away from that said, Schalke are still a mid-table Bundesliga side. Yeah. You know, they're not having a great team. Um, so they're not having a great season. Um, so that it's it's a bit of both, really, isn't it? But one one player that did stand out for Schalke was keeper Manuel Neuer, who had an absolutely phenomenal game. Yeah, Manuel had about 19 shots on goal, I, mean, I think. It could, have, it could have been 10 had he not been an inspired form. But let's... Um, Let's talk about a couple of the individual performances. Let's talk Rooney, first of all. Obviously, he's had his issues this year uh, on and off the pitch. Um, but as many predicted, you know, he's come to form just the right time for Man United. He's having a major say in every game that they play. Um, you know, and, and in this role that he's sort of carved for himself, which is you know, almost like a deep-line striker when he plays with Hernandez. Yeah. Um, two points now, obviously... He's ruined his performance himself, but also the partnership that it's he working, appears to be it, before, um, developing with Hernandez. They just seem to complement each other so well and, and are starting to get that sort of unique thing, that element that great partnerships get, which like is where they second guess similar, where yeah. the other person's going to be. They, they very rarely run into each other's space. Yeah. Um, they know instinct, start to know instinctively where the other player's going to make their runs. And if you think about Dalgleish and Rush... Yeah. Cole and York, you know, or going back for McAvenny Cotty, McAvenny Cotty, Withenshaw, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so you know, I mean, is Rooney the key to this for Man United? Yeah, I mean, he's he's hit form exactly the right time. I mean, I have to say, I'm genuinely surprised that Man U, you know, are going to win out, win the title. They are going to be in the Champions League final. Looking at the team at the beginning of the season, I just couldn't see how it happened. You felt like. 
Last year, they didn't succeed because they hadn't replaced Ronaldo. This year, you couldn't see what was different. No one expected the impact that Hernandez had had. So f- for them to be going this well, you know, cantering to the title, to be fair, six points clear with four games to go, and they've got Blackburn and Blackpool as their last two games. I, I know they've got Arsenal and Chelsea before that, but to find themselves in a Champions League final, and there's been a few comments from... The main you guys, we obviously we publish the Manchester United programme in the UK, don't we? And their programme editor was saying that, that Fergie is convinced he knows why Man U lost the last one, was it two years ago against Barcelona? Yeah. And I think there's a feeling that Fergie wants Barcelona. You know, he, well, I saw, he, I mean, he I wants to prove it. I remember in that game, I think one of the main reasons they lost that game was Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. And that he was, well, two things. One was that Ronaldo was just trying to do everything on his own. Mm. And the second thing was, I don't think Ferguson was prepared for them playing Messi through the middle, mm. um, which was what they did. And I think I think that outsmarted him a little bit. Yeah. But, you know, having seen that, and that, you know, and to a degree they did it again this morning. We'll talk about Barcelona, Real Madrid, with Messi playing more in that central role. I think he'd be well prepared for it. Mm. And a lot of that team was built around Fletcher, and he was missing from the final. People don't acknowledge that because no one gives Fletcher the credit that he deserves. Yeah. But him missing from the final was another big reason that you know they recommend you. Well, I mean, he's still missing. Yeah. One of the unsung players for me, and he cops a fair bit of stick from United fans and, and elsewhere. But I thought he had an excellent game. Was Carrick. Carrick? Yeah, Carrick. Yeah. I thought yeah, he had. He a, he, I thought he was. He was phenomenal. Nothing silly. You know, when we talk about people in the midfield for Barcelona like Hernandez, who mm. simple, get it give it, move, get it back. I thought Carrick did that as good as anyone I've seen this season in yeah. that game. And, 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 and often a lot of that work gets unnoticed. Um, but again, you know, Giggs, again, with the, with the breakthrough goal. I mean, but what, still, a, what, still a scoring. Ball, what a ball from Rooney. Yeah, it was amazing, oh, wasn't it? Fantastic. Um, all right, the other player that caught my eye as well was, um, was Fabio. Mm. You know, who seems to be developing. You know, he's obviously gone there at a very young age. Um, him and his uh, his twin brother, and they and certainly he seems to be developing the quicker of the two. Certainly, get more opportunities. Mm. He's got a little bit of a rash temperament, as we've seen a couple of times. But, but when he yeah. when he keeps that in check, he he offers such an injection of pace going forward, but also quick enough to get back. Mm. And Ma- Hernandez. Signing the season, yeah, I mean, such twenty work. goals in your first season at Man, uh, Man United, <laughs> yeah, and he wasn't a regular from the first off season either. in the in the Premier League. Yeah, you know, we often see forwards like Berbatov go to Man United and take a while to settle, take a while to get used to the the level of expectation that there is there. Mm. But he's been fantastic, hasn't he? Yeah, yes, and what twelve million was it? UK? Eight million, Eight, I think. Was it? Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's next to nothing for a player if you call it. Another good thing for Man U is, is their yellow card situation. Because it's three yellow cards, isn't it, to get ruled out of the final? Is it? I think so, yeah. And Man U don't have any player um, who's one yellow card short of missing it. So bar a red card in the second leg, then yeah. the full Man U team will be available. And also, you know, we, we talk about Rooney coming into form, but also the return of Ferdinand and Vidic to the heart of their defence. Yeah. You know? To to have gone this far, I don't know whether this is a record, but I, I can't imagine that it wouldn't be far off. Um, to a, Man United have not conceded an away goal in the Champions League this year. That's that's stupid. Yeah, it's ridiculous. When you think of the quality of teams that they're playing. Um, mm. So yeah, so that obviously puts Man United firmly in the box seat uh, for the first final berth at Wembley, um, the Champions League final. The second game this morning. Uh, was an altogether different affair. Much had been made in the lead-up to this with uh, Mourinho's mind games, which caused uh, an uncharacteristic snap 
from Guardiola yesterday. Yeah. Foul-mouthed tirade, um, <laughs> which was, you know, very uncharacteristic from him, um, which sort of, you know, I don't know, was that the sign of the pressure getting to him or was it the sign of him just like, oh, for God's sake, I just want to get on with the game. Let's, let's well, get on with it. I think he snapped, but I don't think he was dwelling on it. You know, he might have snapped at that moment, but I reckon by the time he was given his team talk or an hour later, he was focused on winning the game. So I think people, while it's entertaining, probably read into it a little bit too much. Yeah. Okay, well, the game itself was pretty ugly until the 76th minute. Uh, It was a real arm wrestle. We saw the worst, I think, of both sides. Um, Some of the play acting and the rolling around and the surrounding the ref and... From both sides, the waving of the imaginary cards, which I hate, <laughs> yep. you know, the, the overreacting to the slightest of touches, it, it made for a pretty dull spectacle, to be honest. Um, there was a, a bit of a melee at half time, and the Barcelona substitute keeper Pinto got sent off. Mm. Um, and there was you know, a scuffle, and Mourinho got sent off. <laughs> Back in his normal seat in the Pepe, stands. <laughs> Pepe got a red card harshly, you'd have to say. I mean, yeah, that was harsh. You know, it was a foul just, I'd probably say, if you're going to give a foul for, for both players having their foot raised. Um, but it was, it was, it was, you'd struggle to say it was a yellow card. Yeah. Um, so Mourinho was then sent to the stands for his protestation in the aftermath of that. Uh, that then allowed uh, Barcelona to, to exact a bit more control, obviously, with the extra man. Um, and unlike the Copa del Rey final, Barcelona made the extra man tell. Uh, a goal from Messi. The introduction of uh, Afolay, um seemed to give him that spark. Excellent, yeah. Yeah, the, um, Pedro, who was probably one of the worst culprits of the rolling around and diving, uh, injured a knee, missing an opportunity. And uh, Afolay came in. First uh, thing that he did was to uh, to beat um, Marcelo down the, on right and pulling the ball for Messi, tucked it in. Uh, and then Trev, talk us through Messi's second. Yeah, I mean, the, the first one was something that Messi does more often than people realise. It's just the old-fashioned poacher's goal, wasn't it? Like, yeah. he, somebody wouldn't contribute touch, anything else. near post, run across the defender. And then the second goal was classic Messi, and it always makes me think of that Arsene Wenger comment about how he's like a PlayStation player. Yeah. Because how much did that feel like a PlayStation goal? <laughs> um, you know, picked it up, and the ball never goes more than a few inches away from his feet, and he kind of... You know, he doesn't do big jinks or big strides around people, does he? He just keeps it tight and it's sort of nibbles his way through. Just that touch that he yeah. takes. Like, but also, it was, it was almost... It was just a bit weird. It was almost like a training drill because, like, Chavi just... I think it was Chavi just put his foot on the ball and gave it to him yeah. 35 yards out. And there was no Barcelona player in front of him. There's no need. And there were four <laughs> Real Madrid defenders. Yeah. And he just, Chavi just sort of went... There you go, have a crack at it. Don't, don't tie yourself Messi out, went, giving him support. All right, <laughs> I'll just dribble past all of them and score. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, that obviously now puts uh, Barcelona firmly in the box seat. Um, not only are they going to be missing Pepe, Ramos uh, got a yellow card, which rules him out of the uh, return leg. Mourinho will be in the stands. Um, not that that appears to make much difference with him writing notes to hand. To yeah, his. that's strange, isn't it? Um, um, Messi's 51st and 52nd goals of the season, though. Ridiculous. That's stupid. And his 11th Champions League goal in 11 Champions League appearances this season. Yeah. 
Phenomenal. Let's talk about the post-match, because uh, obviously, as we know, with uh, Jose Mourinho, in his eyes, the game begins with the first press conference and ends with the final press conference, and he certainly dis- didn't disappoint. Uh, he said he was disgusted to live in this world. Not being melodramatic <laughs> or anything. Not football game. Not overstating things there. Um, yeah, I mean... I- I love Mourinho. I love the theatre that he brings to it. I love the fact that he considers every element of the game. The press conference is all part of it. But I, sort of, I do feel he's let himself down a bit with some of his comments here, particularly in terms of, you know, he couldn't resist having another dig at Guardiola where he's, he's, it's almost like that backhanded compliment that, oh, they're a great team and he's a great coach. But after this... I'd like to see him win a Champions League that isn't tainted, you know, referring back to the, the Stamford Bridge yeah. semi-final. It reminds me of Cluffy's comments about Leeds. Do you remember when he went there? He said, you haven't won anything yet because, you you know, you were too dirty when you won the titles before. Yeah, yeah it's like Guardiola deserves to win a Champions League normally. That's what I wish because he's a very good coach who I respect as a person. Um, yeah, there was a little bit of the element of the, the heavyweight boxing fighters trash talk beforehand, but then afterwards, after one's knocked the other out, they're all hugging each other and fully respect him. And there was a, there was a bit of that, but it was still that sort of backhanded nature of it. Um, let, I mean, let's talk bigger picture from Mourinho. Is, is this, you know, managers have been more successful than Mourinho at Real Madrid and been fired for not playing in the manner in which Real Madrid want to see their teams play. Mm. They did, you know, they went out that game to contain Barcelona. They didn't, you know, they, they didn't play. Well, there wasn't a centre forward on the pitch. Yeah. For either side, both sides played with this sort of, you know, withdrawn strikers. You know, Messi, Villa was playing wide really for for Barcelona uh, until Adebayor came on. You know, you had Ronaldo sort of in a, in a sort of roving role for for Madrid. Um, I mean, there are the Real Madrid fans and board going to be happy with the way that he approached this game or, and the way that he's carried on before and after? I think the only thing that works in his favour is that well, you know, when they were sacking managers before, they were sacking them even though they had success. That, well, that's what's so strange about it. But they've really, really been starved of success, the, the Madrid fans. And they're, the, you know, they're Madrid fans in an era where it's potentially the best Barcelona team ever and potentially the best club side ever. So I think they're so desperate to get their crowns back from Barcelona and beat them that they will suffer anything. And Mourinho is the best coach in the world. And if you want to win something, then you need to have him at the helm. This is still only his first season. You know, he made a lot of comments about success normally kicks in the second season, like you know we saw with Inter. So I think that as things stand, for at least another year, they're willing to stick by him. They just want to just want to win at the minute. I think. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I mean, you know, let's suppose the big question: Are they out of it? Yeah. Can they go to Can they go to the new camp and win? Well, well, I think that they're going to. Does he go for it? Does he? Does he? Probably not. Yeah. I don't does know. Does he play Iguain, Kaká, Ronaldo, and go four three three and and just go and try and win? Um, I mean, he's coming after the game. If if we go there, the, the new camp, this isn't score. They'll kill us again. We have no chance. Um, which is kind of true. Like uh, you want him to go there and get an early goal to open it back up, but then that switches on another Barcelona, doesn't it? Another even scarier Barcelona at home. But yeah, I mean, of course they've got to go for their, their two down. I just still think that Mourinho will be at least cautious in the first half of the new game. I'm always surprised if it's still nil nil half time. 
Okay, all right. Well, that's our uh, Champions League wrap-up. That's all for part one. We'll be back in the second part to look at some of the news that's been making headlines on our website, au.442.com. The new issue of 442 is on sale now, and it's an EPL Legends Special Edition. We speak to Bergkamp, Klinsman, Shearer and Giggs, plus a rare and fascinating interview with Aussie legend Mark Viduka. We count down the top 10 Aussies to have graced the EPL and hand out awards for the A-League season. 10 years on, relive Australia's world record 31-0 victory against American Samoa and look back at the stellar career of one of the game's greatest ever strikers, Ronaldo. In the iPad edition, there's 30 minutes of video plus additional photo galleries on Viduka, Klinsman, Shearer and Giggs. On sale now at all good news agents or on the iPad via the app store the latest on the world game this is 442 insider hello welcome back to part two of this week's 442 insider podcast we're going to look at some of the news that's been making headlines closer to home and uh easter sunday strange time to be announcing this however uh sports minister mark abib announced uh that there will be a review a government review into uh australian football into all aspects, the structure, the governance, the administration of football in Australia, examining the development of its positioning for the Asian Cup and key opportunities to ensure the financial viability and sustainability of football in Australia. Trev, yep. what do we make of this? It was going to be chaired by the Honourable Warwick Smith, AM. Mm. Honourable. He's um, the chair of the Australian Sports Commission. So. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't complain, can you? The, the, I can't see any harm coming from, from doing this review. In terms of the timing of doing it, I think that there's no doubt that um, FFA haven't got everything right. But I don't think they've perhaps done as horrendous a job as some people are saying. So I think this review is coming, you know, while there's still time to make changes and not too late. I mean, the Crawford report was in a different frame of reference, wasn't it? it things had got far more desperate and it was, it was a real act of a, a last plea sort of thing. At the moment, you know, the league's up and running. We have got things to look forward to. We have got the Asian Cup coming. Um, so it, it's a perfect time to sort of fine-tune everything to get it back in line. I mean, Australian football you know, has been a recipient of a fair amount of government funding, both for the World Cup bid, which was £45 yeah. million, but also I think it was £32 million over four years just for the general sort of development of the game. And obviously, you know, football's in a good position with regards to, to getting government funding because of the, the nature of its grassroots participation both you know boys and girls adults males women you know it, it's it occupies a unique position in and, and therefore would always be a prime sort of candidate for for funding because of the the, the depth and breadth of its uh, of its reach however do you see this as a as the government looking to see whether that money has been used in the most effective way yeah and, and so they should you know if, they, if they're going to give money they've got every right to check that it's being used in the appropriate manner um, so I've got no objection to them wanting to do the review. And, you know, I, I can only see good things coming from it, really. I mean, if it's just a review, the, the, the FFA ha- hand isn't forced to implement anything that comes from the review. Is that correct? Or mm. do they have to do whatever they say? Because the, the thing well, is... Well, no, what I think it would be would be that, you know, future funding is going to be conditional on, that, on, yeah. on them, you know, fulfilling these criteria or implementing the recommendations. Mm. Also, let's not forget that, you know, and this is part of it, is that... There's also, I think, $60 million worth of money pledged for the Asian Cup from all the states that are going to be involved in hosting games. That was yeah. paramount as a major part of the bid. And also, I think that, that what we're seeing here is almost uh, marking of territories for the Asian Cup. 
i.e. because yeah. one, one of the challenges that happens with a major tournament and we're, we're some way off a local organising committee being appointed yet yeah. but the government and the governing body have a you know basically negotiate who will occupy which positions on a local organising committee yeah and you know this is probably an early sort of you know saying well we're putting up 60 million dollars we want x amount of representation and say into the running of the tournament you know how it's run how it's promoted whatever yeah. um, um i mean one thing that is sort of kind of worth noting about when they you know when they go through and and do all of this is that so far the FFA haven't made any comment. Have you heard any FFA comments? Have they come out and said, yeah, you welcome no, this? No, I think they've said that, you know, it, it's, um, you know it, it's, with their, uh, it's with their support. You know, it's in conjunction with them. I've not actually seen any direct quotes from, from Ben Buckley. Um, I suppose, I mean, what could he what say? Can I was say? Just, yeah, yeah. It would be, I suppose I'm intrigued about what their reaction is, their actual reaction, rather than their canned press release reaction about having the review done. Well, I guess, you know, on one hand, it's sort of like, you know, if it was us, you know, if you're doing your job... Exactly, you should be ...and worried. your boss comes in and says, look, I really think we need to sit down and go through how well you're performing your role, yeah. then you sort of think, well, if everything was hunky-dory and I was doing everything and meeting every expectation, then would we need to be having this review? So yeah. I think, you know, there's an element of, you know... People aren't aren't happy, or there's question marks as to whether the funding has been used in the correct manner. Um, but like you say, Jim, you know, if that funding is going to continue, then they have every right to uh, exactly. to question where it goes. I mean, the, the interesting thing is going to be that whether this government will still be in power come the Asian Cup. You know, if they yeah. get if the uh, New South Wales and the state elections are anything to go by, then you would say that the chances of a Labour government being in power in 2015 would be minimal. Yeah, um, I suppose they're, they're quite broad what they're saying. They're looking into the structure, governance and administration of football in Australia. I mean, how many questions are going to be asked about the World Cup bid, considering how much government money went towards that? I mean, I they're mean, within I'm their sure rights to ask. Part of it because I think they will draw the parallels between the World Cup bid and the funding for that and where the funding will be used for the, um, for the Asian Cup. Yep. Uh, well, obviously, Bren Brendan Schwab, as always, uh, PFA chief executive, has, uh, has said that you know this is a, a great opportunity for the next stage of the you know as with the Crawford report in 2003, which, like you say, was it was in very different circumstances and probably a bit more dire circumstances at the time. You know, where we're actually talking about the future of the game here. This is a you know a question more of a question as to. Right, what's the next stage of the development and what yeah. has to happen for that next stage? You yeah. know? And, and I think that's, it's good that all the parties should be working together on this because it's healthy to have that sort of level, of, um, level of scrutiny, I think. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and people forget. People are saying now how bad a state the game is and what have you. And Simon Hill made a good point in his column in the magazine. He's saying that you know, the average attendance for this season is just, sorry, last season now, it's just over 8,000, which is dire, worse it's ever been. But it's still double what the NSL got. Yeah. You know, we, we are still in a better situation in, in other aspects. Yeah. Yeah, one, one thing that Brendan Schwab refers to again, you know, and I don't think anyone can argue with this, you know, is the, the, the expansion and the nature of that expansion and the fact that, you know, he, he's still a critic of the original model, the original yeah. one team, one city model. And, and it's difficult to argue when you look at football around the world. Yeah. You know, and one of the biggest drivers of, Football interest, uh, like this morning, yeah. Real Madrid, you know, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Man City, Man United, you know, great rivalries, you know, are often city based. Yeah. You know, look at, you know, 
Liverpool, Everton, yeah, Newcastle, Middlesbrough, Newcastle, Sunderland. They're often West Ham, Leighton Orient. Yeah, they're geographically based rivalries, yeah. um, and we've we've got our sort of you know the equivalent of the Real Madrid Barcelona, which isn't necessarily based on geography; it's based on history, and yeah. you know, we've got our own sort of versions of those developing, which you'd probably say Melbourne, Adelaide, Melbourne, Sydney. Um, but the one thing that drives football. Um, passion and support has always been same city derbies. Yeah, you know, and, and that's what we've lacked up until last season. So, uh, you know, he's talked about the fact that we've had teams in Auckland and the Gold Coast before we've had a team in Western Sydney, mm. where there are hundreds of thousands of people playing actively playing the game, and and you know it's difficult to argue with that point. So, obviously, they reckon that the uh, the review will take around four to five months. Um, the other interesting thing, Chad, that, that does this now then supersede the FFAs? Strategic review, which was supposed to have been released two or three weeks ago. Know, yeah, we were saying for ages that it was coming out. It's coming out. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm still expecting that FFA review. Well, yeah, so I might because part of it. that FFA review was about things that are going to happen within the next before this review will even come out. Yeah. So, for instance, we, we all know it's the worst kept secret in the world that the season is going to start in first weekend of October yeah. or second weekend of October this year, but it's not been formally announced yet and. You know, that was part of the strategic review was the timing of the season. And so it seems a bit at odds as to whether we'll get the FFA's review and then we'll get a government review. But anyway, we'll, uh, we'll definitely be covering it. Um, Marcos Flores, Johnny Warren medalist, best, and best player in the, as voted by his fellow professionals, uh, has been offered a new three-year deal, which would make him the highest-played Adelaide player ever, if he agrees to it. Mm. Um, there was talk of him being, uh, being a target for the MLS. I must admit, I, I was pessimistic. I just thought he was going to go. I didn't I for did. one minute no, think no, that I, he was going to stay. I thought, oh, guy's gone. Yeah, he's no. good, he's gone. Another Fred. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's a bit of a surprise to hear that there's another offer on the table, especially a three-year one as well. Yeah. Uh, the Reds are also hoping to naturalise uh, Brazilian-born Cassio before next season, which would then open up another uh, foreign uh, visa in their quota. Um they're looking at potentially a left-sided player, um, really cool, and not surprisingly, he's looking at Holland as a potential sort of mm. recruitment area for them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess that Adelaide he couldn't really have done any more, you know, if nah. he goes and they've offered to make him the best player ever, and, and on, on a three-year deal as well, then there's not a lot more that they could do to keep him. Mm. And he, he, he's highly marketable as well, isn't he? Yeah, yeah I, sort of, you know. I, I sort of don't think they made enough of him. No. Having you know, met him at the A-League Awards, and you know, mm. he's, he's a real character, he's a very charismatic character. And, I, and I, I think that definitely if they're going to do that, then it'd be great to sort of see more of players like this. And Thomas Broich as well. Yeah. You know, it was only later on in the season that we really got to see that there was a hell of a lot of character with these people as well. So it'd be good that if, uh, if they both stick around and we get to know them a bit better. Um, well, from being... Potentially against the wall, uh, Wellington Phoenix owner Terry Serapisos has now revealed he's on the verge of sealing a five-year, $10 million um, sponsorship to secure the A-League club's future. Yeah, be a real shame. Roller coaster, isn't it? Yeah, the, the, you, you know, God, struggling to speak. You know the pod are massive fans of the, the Phoenix, so it's great to see they've got some more support. But, you know, what's interesting here is that, you know, but. From all reports, you know, Wellington is one of two clubs that does make a profit, an operating profit, which would be them and Melbourne Victory. And all the talk about Phoenix's future has actually been regarding the owner's finances, not the club's. Yeah. 
Um, and if, if we, you know, if we can see that, that that's on a secure footing, um, and also then a, a sponsorship of this nature could be a, could be what it needs for uh, Phoenix to take the next step. Do they um, make money, Phoenix? Yeah, as far as I'm aware, they do. I thought they were making a small loss. But, I mean, they're certainly one of the more successful, aren't they? Because you see the attendances they got, and they've got the monopoly over there, haven't they? So. Yeah. Um, all right, Aussies abroad. Um, let's have a quick look around. The, the, Scott the McDonald. Scott McDonald, hat-trick. First half hat-trick. I think he's injured now, actually. He's got a hamstring injury. But... He's got a hammy. Um, First half hat-trick in Middlesbrough's 4-2 win over Richard Garcia's Hull City. I watched the goals. I mean, they were sort of poachers and he seemed to be in outrageous amounts of space to finish them but still he did uh, Scott Chipperfield has also uh, just signed a new deal with uh, Swiss champions FC Basel which will keep him there until June 2012 he's 83 years which old which you would probably <laughs> say rules out any chance of him coming back to play in the A-League yeah but, oh, he's kind of settled over there isn't he with Swiss wife and all the rest of it so I, I, I don't think it's, he's not sure if he's likely to even come back to live in Australia, let alone play. Yeah, well, he's uh, he celebrated his new deal by uh, scoring one of the goals in a 2-1 win over Young Boys. Ironically, against the Young Boys. Yeah, the young boys. <laughs> uh, Tim Cale returned um, as a half-time substitute in Everton's uh, loss to Man United. Um, Mark Schwarzer played a full game. Fulham drew one all. Fulham uh, winning 3-0 this morning. Uh, Mark Bresciano played 71 minutes. Um and his fourth consecutive start for uh, Lazio. It's great thought, to see him getting some Yeah, really unfortunately nice. they went down 2-1 to Inter Milan and sort of, uh, their, their challenge is fading. Prior to that, he'd sort of slipped off both the domestic and international radar a little bit, Bresh, didn't he? So. Yeah. Uh, Dario Vidicic started and played 66 minutes as Armenia Bielefeld lost 2-0 to Fortuna Dusseldorf. That's uh, Robbie Cruz's new team. Yeah. Uh, Tommy Hall started but was replaced at the break. After a goalless first half, as FC Utrecht went on to, with a 4-2 win over Vitesse. Um, goalless first half, and it ended up being 4-2. Yeah, Michael Zullo um, played the full game. Adam Surratt was an unused sub. Uh, Brett Holman's AZ lost 2-1 at bottom club mm. Wilhelm de, or 2 on Saturday. Um, Lucas Neal was a 75th-minute substitute. There's been a bit of speculation around uh, Lucas Neal. We've got both Lucas and Harry Kuehl uh, their contracts are uh, are both up at the end of this season, so cue speculation as to where they will come and play. Not, not the A League for Harry, we know that, don't we? <laughs> Pretty certainly, <laughs> well, it wouldn't be the A League for Harry. Although there were reports on Goal.com, not the most reliable of sources, it has to be said that Lucas Neal's eyeing up a return to the A League. Do we think that that Trev? Do you see that as a possibility? I think if he had his own, where would he go? If, well, if, if he had his own club. He's a Sydney boy, you know, mm. I can't, after him being such an integral part of one of the unsuccessful bids for the Western Sydney team, yeah. it would be difficult to see him coming back and playing for Sydney FC. I don't think he'll come back. Not yet. No. No. Okay. All right. Well, that's it for uh, part two. All the news from our uh, website, au.442.com. We are awaiting, as we are recording this, there's about an hour to go until we find out who the... Uh, under-20s we'll have in the uh, forthcoming World Cup in Colombia. But uh, head to the website and we'll have details of that later today.
Visit Football Emporium on www.footballemporium.biz to see the largest selection of football merchandise and memorabilia in Australia. A real football shopping experience. Or why not pop in and visit them directly at 139 Victoria Road, Dremoyne. Or simply call them on 1300 Goals to find out what's new in the football world. Back to 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. We're going to turn our attention to the domestic leagues in Europe as they reach their climax. We're going to look at the big four leagues. Uh, and the Premier League, um, overnight, we, uh, Fulham, as we said, uh, had a regulation 3-0 win against Bolton. Regulation as soon as I put money on Bolton. Um, Stoke <laughs> beat Wolverhampton Wanderers 3-0. Uh, Man City beat Blackburn 1-0 on Monday night, Tuesday morning here. Um, let's talk uh, at the top of the league. Uh, Arsenal continued their late capitulations with a yep. losing in the in the last minute of the game. Just like last year to Bolton, much. yeah, winnable games. I mean, going to Bolton's not an easy game, but if you're going to win the title, you need to be winning the. Chelsea took care of your boys three yeah. nil. Uh, a little bit of an unfair result, to be fair. If you game that will be remembered for the, uh, the the Fernando Torres broke his drought. Yeah, every single West Ham fan I know who tweeted, I bet Torres scores today. So when he came on, there was no Strange doubt. conditions got, it, as well. Considering that the UK's been having really good weather recently. Hammering it down, It right? absolutely hammered And the pitch look was awful at the end. I mean, Torres' chance was actually created yeah. by the ball getting stuck in the water, which then sort of gave him the opportunity to check back in the, and yeah. walk the first time. It was, it was a strange game because West Ham were all over Chelsea and we were one down and Robbie Keane had a... Well, you can call it a set, to be fair. It was a one-on-one one that he just blasted wide. Um, we had four strikers on the pitch at that point, and then Torres went and scored, and it was all over. So a bit harshly done with a 3-0, but regulation win for Chelsea. Liverpool um, had a great win against uh, Birmingham at Anfield, a hat-trick for Maxi Rodriguez. They could uh, still get fifth, can't they? As, as we'll, I'm sure we'll get oh, into. Right, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, they're right in the hunt still. Um, Sunderland... Uh, reversed their recent run of awful form with a 4-2 home win. Again, 0-0 at half-time, 4-2 at the end. Spurs couldn't beat West Brom at home, uh, which has put a severe dent with Man City beating uh, Blackburn. That's put a severe dent in Spurs' hopes of securing Champions League football. And Man United did what Man United do best, which was get a late winner at home to beat Everton 1-0. A bullet header from Hernandez at the far post. Yeah, um, I thought Valencia. I watched that game. I thought Valencia was brilliant throughout. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I meant to talk about Valencia in the uh, when we talked about Man United. You know, him and Rio Ferdinand's return to the team has definitely been part of the uh, the uplift. And I would argue that based on last when Rooney was on on top form last season, scoring all those goals, most of them have been created by Valencia. Yeah, and we're starting to see that again. Yeah, you know, and, uh, he he just hugs that touchline. Gets so many balls and, in. But but what he also does is because that he he holds that touchline so wide, he spreads the back four of the opposition, which creates the channels then for Rooney to operate in. And if Rooney then drops deep, inevitably, it creates more space for him. Um, yeah. And now with Hernandez uh, really sort of fulfilling that poacher's sort of role, they've they've got a number of threats going forward. Uh, so let's look at the, the top of the table. Man United, top, um, six points clear with four games to go. Now, their next two games are against Arsenal and Chelsea. Yep. Um, 
are Chelsea still an outside bet well, if they yeah. can win that game? Yeah, I mean, the fact that even though they've got to go to Man U, at least they're playing Man U, so the destiny's a little bit more on their They, they sort their of hands. need Arsenal to beat Man United. Yeah, if Arsenal clear. can beat Man United and Chelsea can win that round in that round, then it would put, you know, three points difference Goal with Chelsea to play against Man United. Goal differences within two goals. Yeah. So by, by no means are they out of it. Arsenal, you'd probably say, are out of it now. They're further three points back, so there's, there's four games to go. Man City are on 59 points, having played 33. Tottenham played 33, 55 points. So there's a bit of a switch there because it's gone from... With, with Spurs still to travel to Man City, it was in their hands. It's now no longer in their, their hands, even if they win that game. Man City have got to drop points elsewhere. Uh, Liverpool, as you say, faint hope um, of fifth... Uh, They've played a game more than Tottenham and have three points less. Down the bottom, it's beginning to clear somewhat in that you'd probably say that the bottom five, Stoke, Newcastle, Sunderland and Villa, uh, with their results, a combination of wins and draws, um, have probably on 41 points and above taken themselves out of a direct threat of relegation. Um, Wigan, Wolves and West Ham now occupy the bottom three. West Ham, 32 points. Wolves, 33. Wigan, 34. Blackpool on 34 points, so only out of the bottom three by goal difference. Blackburn, Birmingham and West Brom, you'd probably say, are still in danger, although West Brom probably, you'd say, will be okay by now. So it's probably looking looking like three from five. Yeah. It's probably looking three out of Blackburn, Blackpool, Wigan, Wolves and West Ham. Yeah. Trev? Who's your tips? Um, I'd have to sort of study the, the runnings. Everyone else in mean, West Ham have got Man City away next, but our last three games um, are winnable. I think we've got Wigan, Sunderland, and Blackburn. So, you know, something along those lines. So, so if we can win our last three games, which is unlikely, we, you know, we could get out of it. But I think as things stand, um, I mean, Blackburn, who I'd like to see go down just because the big Sam sacking was so unfair. Um, are really struggling to get anywhere. So I don't know if if any one of those sort of two out of Blackburn and Blackpool who have both got to play Man U slip back in, I think it would be Blackburn. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Blackburn. Go <laughs> yeah, back. a bit of that would be nice. <laughs> uh, all right, well, we'll follow that as it uh, heats up. Four games to go, five for a few teams, but predominantly four games to go there. In uh, Spain, wins for Real Madrid and Barcelona. Um, quite different wins, 6-3. Valencia, uh, Valencia, and Valencia were in third, and we sort of saw that as a potential banana skin for Real Madrid. Didn't prove that way. Real Madrid um, reserve team. Yeah, because I think only three of those players played this morning. Yeah, Barcelona, a routine two-nil win at home to Osasuna. So that leaves uh, Barcelona eight points clear um, of Real Madrid in second with 80 points. Barcelona with 88, uh, and then a massive gap of 17 points to third place. Um, down the bottom, bottom three positions, uh, Almeria are all but down with 26 points. Hercules on um, 33 and Osasuna on 35. Um, so again, it looks like probably this weekend you might well see Barcelona wrap up the title. And uh, as we talked about earlier, uh, very close to uh, to putting the final nail in Real Madrid's Champions League aspirations this, this season. In Italy... Serie A, uh, the big results at the weekend were Milan's 1-0 win away at Brescia. Um, 
but also uh, Napoli's uh, defeat, um, which has put a massive dent in their title aspirations. Uh, having looked like Milan's sort of main rival two or three weeks ago, they haven't won for three weeks, um, and Milan are now eight points clear of uh, of Inter in second, and nine points clear of Napoli in uh, in third. Lazio are in fourth, Udinese in uh, in fifth. So it looks like it's Milan's to to really lose now. Only four games to go. So barring a a complete disaster, you'd say Milan will uh, will will be crowned champions this weekend. Yeah, and not a particularly great Milan team in not a particularly great league. I mean, you know, to be that far ahead of the rest of the league, I think just underlines how non-competitive it's become. Yeah. Uh, in Germany, in the Bundesliga, Borussia Dortmund um, still got a bit to do. Um, Bayern Munich. Still uh, three games to go there. Um, they're five points clear, so mathematically not there yet, but very close. They've been very close for a while. Seemed like they would uh, they, they would have wrapped it up before now. Uh, Bayern Munich only in fourth. Uh, Bayer Leverkusen a second in 64 points. Hanover 57 points. Bayern Munich 56 points. So Bayern Munich being 13 points off. The top of the table will, will never be seen as a, as a good performance for them, and obviously uh, Van Gaal has, has paid for that with his job there. Yeah, and um, Hanover's goal difference, plus four. <laughs> yeah. got to third in the table with a plus four goal difference. Down the bottom, we are with Sam Pauli. Oh. Shame. One of the more colourful clubs yeah, in, in world the world. Yeah. Unfortunately, it uh, looked like they'll be exiting the Bundesliga. Uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach also down there, and Wolfsburg. Um, even though they got rid of Steve McLaren, it hasn't really uh, arrested their slide. And having, uh, from being champions, uh, uh, they look like they could uh, could be relegation contenders. Mm. Right, that's it for uh, part three. Part three. Got to remember which part yeah. it was then. It's been such a morning. These early Champions League starts. God. <laughs> After a five-day Easter break, I managed to undo all of the good sort of rest and relaxation. <laughs> With two 4.30 starts. But anyway, um, that's it for part three. We'll be back part four to preview this weekend's games in the English Premier League. The new issue of 442 is on sale now, and it's an EPL Legends Special Edition. We speak to Bergkamp, Klinsman, Shearer and Giggs, plus a rare and fascinating interview with Aussie legend Mark Viduka. We count down the top ten Aussies to have graced the EPL and hand out awards for the A-League season. Ten years on, relive Australia's world record 31-0 victory against American Samoa and look back at the stellar career of one of the game's greatest ever strikers, Ronaldo. In the iPad edition, there's 30 minutes of video plus additional photo galleries on Viduka, Klinsman, Shearer and Giggs. On sale now at all good news agents or on the iPad via the app store. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to the final part of this week's 442 Insider podcast. Uh, Trev, let's look ahead to this weekend's big games in the English Premier League. Let's start from the top Saturday. Sees Blackburn host Bolton. Uh, Bolton obviously fought back with a win against Arsenal from their uh, from their really big disappointment. The uh, FA Cup semi-final, but then went down last night uh, to Fulham. Uh, Blackburn scrapping for their lives. They're at home. Lancashire derby this. Yeah. Um, I, I, this is a massive pivotal game for Blackburn, isn't it? Um, in terms of sort of playing a Bolton team that 
I think is excellent at home and a little bit more consistent on the roads. So I think they'll be thinking that this is the one they've got to get through. But and if they do, they you know they really move away from the danger in a big way. Um, I think it'll be a draw though. Okay, Blackpool again talking about pivotal games. This is a massive game for Blackpool hosting Stoke. Always difficult to play against. Um, Blackpool fighting for their lives, equal on points on the, with uh, Wigan, three three points, three uh, places from the bottom. Can you see them getting out of this, or are we? Yeah, I think they'll beat Stoke. The last of Blackpool, you do? Yeah, I think they'll beat Stoke. Yeah, I think Stoke will sort of have one eye on the FA Cup final as well. A way to home, massive game for Blackpool. I mean, they started so well, like a, a lot of newly promoted teams do. I think they, if they can just dig out a few more points, they they can move away. So yeah, I think I think they'll beat Stoke. All right, next couple of games, you'd probably say the four teams that that look like they're safe, or, or certainly another another win for them will will secure safety. Sunderland host Fulham. Um, Fulham have one of the best uh, home records in the league, but tend to be awful away from home. Yeah, I think I think only Man United and Chelsea have conceded fewer goals at home than Fulham. Um, but away from home, they're a very different kettle of fish. Um, Sunderland, as we said, got back to winning ways after an awful run of form. Um, how do you see this one go? Uh, I think Sunderland will, will get what they need to sort of... I mean, because it's so tight up there, if you can get a couple of wins near the end, then you can sort of nestle yourself up to, well, eighth, can't you? And what's really? it, is, it, is it half a million pounds a point? Ninth. Or a million pounds a point, is it? I think it's half, half a, million a million a point. Yeah. So a place, sorry. A place. So yeah, every yeah. Uh, every place that you gain is critical. And like you say, there's there's a group of teams there from West Brom on 40 points to to Bolton in eighth. So eighth to 14, separated by two wins, hmm. four I mean, games to go. They could all swap positions, and that could be worth you know three or four million pounds to the to the team. So it's that, another player, isn't it? Really? Absolutely. Um, another game with a very similar situation West Brom host my boys Villa Villa on 41 points West Brom on 40 both you'd probably say are safe one more win for either will secure it local derby um, Dragon Knights draw 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 written all over I think Darren Bennett will score again um, uh, Wigan host Everton massive game for Wigan Everton have done their usual which is start awfully and then Finish really strongly. They're up in seventh, 47 points. Um, it, a lot of talk around David Moyes, speculation around his future. Mm. Whether he's, you know, has he taken Everton as far as he can take them? Does it, you know, it's difficult to see him getting an opportunity at, at a club higher than Everton, though. He's in a strange position because I, I think he's a fantastic manager. And, but Everton normally or can perform particularly well against the big sides. Like he sorts out the tactics well against the other really, really good sides. Um, in terms of giving him a bigger job, he does a fantastic job at Everton with not a lot of money and an awful record of injuries. Everton seems to have major players out all of the time. But would one of the big guys have a risk in him? I think I don't think Roy Hodgson's done anyone's any any favours at Liverpool because um, he he was an example of that, wasn't he? I mean, more experience, but given a chance at one of the big sides and it didn't really work out. I mean, he'd been linked with a man new job, Moyes. I don't think he got any chance of getting that. I mean, given um, given Gerard Houllier is uh, is certainly unlike won't return to the dugout this season. He was admitted to hospital last year last week with a recurrence of uh, obviously his, his well publicised uh, heart 
operation. It's unlikely to come back, Liverpool. isn't he? To football manager. Looks like he, he may well not be coming back, which is obviously cued speculation as to who will take over. And David Moyes has been a name that many supporters have been putting forward. And certainly, whilst you would, I would say that Villa and Everton are, are two very similar sides yeah. in terms of history, in terms of stature, in terms of supporter base. You can't argue that Villa has certainly spent more money over the last four or five seasons than Everton have. Where would you be if Moyes had spent that money? Well, yeah, you know, so so would would Villa potentially be for David Moyes' career? I'm not necessarily saying that the club would be a step up, but would it give him an opportunity to, to face a different challenge with a bit more money to spend? Maybe. M- maybe. I mean, Newcastle ended up being that job for a while, wasn't yeah. it? Where managers like Allardyce and stuff would go there because it, it's not necessarily a step up in terms of where teams are in the league but you think you're going to get more money at a bigger club, um, and it never really worked out. But, yeah, I mean, he, he could take the Villa job. He, he'd need pretty strong promises on how much money he could spend, though. Yeah. Massive game in West London. Uh, West London v North London, Chelsea v Spurs. Uh, that's the late game on Saturday. Um, huge games for both. Chelsea have to win this game. Yeah. You know, if Arsenal, if, if they've got any hope of winning the league, they have to win this game and hope that Arsenal do them a favour against Man United. Spurs have to win this game to stay in the hunt for fourth place. Yeah, this has a potential to be the game of the weekend, I'd say. Exactly. Um, we'll, we'll get on to City's result, but City are, are hosting West Ham, so you'd have to say they're, they're going to win that. Um, if Tottenham lose, then I, I think that's effectively fourth out of the window. Yeah. And with Liverpool have a great chance of picking up some points at home against Newcastle, they're in real danger of losing fifth as well. Sunday sees uh, another local derby, Birmingham Wolves. Uh, Birmingham not quite safe yet. Wolves nowhere near safety yet. So a massive game for both of those. It's at St Andrews, um, which you'd probably say will give Birmingham a slight edge. Uh, but Wolves really need to win this to have any hope of surviving. Liverpool, Newcastle. Um, midday kickoff uh, in the UK. So nine o'clock here. Both those games are uh, midday kickoffs in the UK. Uh, as you say, Liverpool will be hope. You know, Liverpool will know when they kick off whether Spurs have got anything out of the game at Chelsea. If they haven't, then that opens the door for Liverpool to to, to challenge for European football next year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and um, well, they can, go, they can go above them, can't they? Because because they're superior goal difference. Yeah. I think you know if Tottenham lose and Liverpool win at the weekend, then they're going to be above all bit of Tottenham having a game in hand. Arsenal, Man United. Uh, we'd probably say that Arsenal are out of the championship race but they yep. can still have a major say in, in who ends up winning it um, Man United though probably slightly different to Chelsea Spurs game Man United would be more than happy with a point from that game yeah I think Fergie's comments were um, suggesting that he thinks he's in the Champions League final and it'll be quite a strong team that travels to Arsenal ok Man City West Ham yes Man City 3-0 <laughs> At least. It's good to see that the optimism is uh, is coursing through West Ham fans' veins. Well, that you know that guy who the one that can play football, Scott Parker. Yeah, um, well, he's injured. He's he? injured. Yeah. So we just normally we've got ten rubbish players and one good player, but I think we're gonna have to play eleven rubbish players, which gives us no chance. But given that like two of your rubbish players started for England at the World Cup. Yeah, that shows how rubbish England are. Isn't it? <laughs> uh, um, I would defend Green. I mean, Green is a good player. He's made a couple of mistakes, and Upson's hideously overrated, though. Okay. <laughs> really hideously overrated. I mean, is it, presumably that would be the end for Avram Grant at West Ham, or would they? Uh, yeah, I assume so. I mean, to, to, I mean, realistically, we are down. I think the key to getting you're out. Two, you're two points. You're three points. One win away from safety. 
And we've got four three, games to go. We've got three winnable games at the end. I just don't, I, totally in your desk, in I, your own hands. I just don't think we we will. But I think the key to getting out of the championship um, is having a manager that knows about that level. Um, and Avram Grant doesn't really know about the Premiership level either, does he? But I don't think he's going to be prepared to scrap in the way out of the Championship. So I think we will have a new manager next season. Who would you like that to be? I don't know. Oh, I, I was a lot of talk that if we ever went down, I'd want Pardew to come back. But you know he's not going to do that now because he somehow <laughs> managed to get the Newcastle job. So yeah, I, I don't know whoever's been doing well. You know, Chris Hutton. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's not a bad another job. That's not a bad call. Yeah. All right. Just a, a quick look at some of the top games and in the other leagues that ran off this weekend. Uh, Real Madrid host Real Zaragoza at the Bernabeu, and Barcelona travel to Real Sociedad. As we talked about earlier, it's uh, I think it's merely a matter of when rather than if Barcelona tie up the league again. Yeah, it's, um, a, it's a weird feeling, is it, for Madrid fans because their season's kind of effectively over after this morning. Well, they have got the Copa del Rey, which they well, won. Yeah, yeah, and then broke. So yeah. <laughs> they're the holders, although they couldn't hold on to it. Yeah. Uh, in Italy, Inter travel to Cesena. Napoli hosts Genoa. AC Milan hosts Bologna. Uh, and Udinese travel to Fiorentina. As we said, it's, uh, it's Milan's to lose, and probably another win will, uh, will secure that for them. Um, and in the Bundesliga, um, what have we got? Borussia Dortmund at home to Nuremberg. Uh, who else? Hanover host Borussia Mönchengladbach um, Stuttgart away at Hoffenheim Bayern Munich host Schalke um, interesting to see what, how Schalke approach that game whether they just consider the fact that they're out of the uh, out of the Champions League or whether they rest some players with the hope of giving it a go but anyway the seasons are coming to their climax we'll be following it every step of the way um, thanks for joining us Trev congratulations again mate Thank you, yep, and just mentioned last week for uh, to buy our EPL Legends issue. Yeah, last week of on sale, so yep. get it while you can. Um, sneak peek of what's coming next week? Yes. Liverpool. I, I can see it being popular. Liverpool special, so Suarez resurgent and Carroll Liverpool. And, um, interviews and a, a Gerrard profile and stuff, plus loads of behind-the-scenes club stuff. Um, and the three lads in uh, Holland as well. Um, Sorota, Zulo and all um, we've been over there former editor Paul Hansford has been hanging out with them in a slightly weird way <laughs> taking so, yeah. them to the only European Ab- Aboriginal art museum art museum yeah that's the sort of stuff you can look forward to I'll re- I'll read a survey which I think will probably be a discussion point next week as well I'm sure there'll be th- loads of photos of the three of them looking completely bored as Paul drags them around <laughs> an art exhibition but anyway it'll be a riveting read <laughs> Uh, that's all for us for this week. Enjoy your football this weekend. We'll be back next week on 442 Insider Podcast. Thanks for joining us. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.